Callum. Yo. There you are. We I should see. have Mr. Alley Express on for a podcast. Oh my god. No, this is the best kind of cold open where you let everyone just sit around waiting for about five minutes before we actually start talking. I mean, technically we started talking, you know, we were talking for like five minutes till Callum's mic fucked up, so. Callum, you owe yeah, some that, apology. That was weird. Don't know why. I was, I was even hearing myself, like, talking twice. I mean, I heard you just fine. It was Dennis. Yeah, was I, like, I heard you uh, fine. It was uh, audio quality and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just felt that I would be kind of stupid if we went an entire hour-long podcast and Callum's audio file just never loaded. So, like, it's just you, Garrison, and me talking, and then all of a sudden there's, like, a two-minute blank space. Yeah, that's about... That's yeah. like when we had those problems with Craig... Oh God! <laughs> and, I, <laughs> fuck, Craig. Yeah, uh, that was like, it's like, oh, he stopped recording. When did he stop recording? An hour ago. <laughs> and he doesn't send you a notification either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it wasn't until the end, and you just look into the chat and just go, oh shit. It's like, God damn it! The best episode you recorded just doesn't exist. No, no. Remember, we had to do the double episode. I oh, do. God. It was the uh, the uh, uh, it was the APS episode that it did that, and I think it did it on the Nabel Falsig one as well. It stopped recording partway through. Yeah, I remember that. Those were the days. Eh? Those were the yeah, days. We, my ass, thankfully for We, we totally don't have those uh, issues anymore, do we? Hopefully not. <laughs> We're gonna be done recording this and then look back and be like, "Motherfucker, Craig's back." Somehow, Craig took over the Zencaster. I fucking swear. I got a hell at loose date after this, so a date, really? Yes, sir. Hell at loose. Name's Alan. We're gonna go kill America. I mean Germans for the father. I'm fuck. I mean uh, we're gonna go kill Germans for America. Calm, so you know do. the part where he just said uh, he's going to see Alan? Can you just make sure that that's like really loud and crisp when you hear that? Yep. Will do. Will do. <sighs> you guys, I swear. And is Alan in the room with us right now? Uh, well, if you count Discord, yes. You know, I, um, what was it? Last night, I was just hanging out with the girlfriend and suddenly got a notification. Yeah, I wish. Um, got a notification <laughs> on my phone that just went, uh, your bid on Trade Me is one. I said, wait, 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 what's this one? And I, I put a bet on, on some, I put a put a bit, $5 bid on two uh, Tamiya accessory kits. The, uh, you know, there's like two types of US um, infantry weapon t- uh, accessory kits. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, there were two of them, and they were selling them both at the same time. So I put a $5 bid on. And no one else bid on it, but it was like there for about a week and a half, and I just totally forgot about it. And then just like, ding, you won the bid. I'm going, did I? Did wait, what? I don't remember this one. Bloody hell! <laughs> like, like you, op- you open your door, and like there's a post guy just throwing to me a weapons at you. If only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really need to like as her- heretic as this sounds. I need to stop buying kits because I need to actually stock up on everything else for making. I have. No primer at the moment, or yeah, a lot of things. I feel you, Calum. What do you yeah. use for primer, Calum? Don't you use like that 
really weird household stuff? Nah, the the stuff my dad gave me it it goes weird on me. Um, like I try and thin it out, and it just ends up beating beating up, and I can't I can't get the uh, I can't get it right for the airbrush versus what I want to prime. It's just it's not working for some reason. I don't know why. So, so what do you think you will get when you restock? Because you will, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Once you know, once payday comes around, uh, eventually. Nope, Callum's quitting the hobby. Yep, he's quitting <laughs> the hobby. Nope, he's going to quit the hobby because he doesn't have primer. Yeah, no, no. Um, there's Subscribe a cal- to our Patreon so Callum can get primer. <laughs> <laughs> Callum's a- primer font. Yes, uh, one of the one of the um, <clears throat> fifteen hobby stores in my city. Um, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh sells a lot of AK stuff, so yeah, they got prime they got uh primer for like fifteen bucks. First of all, fuck you for having fifteen hobby stores in your city, and second of all, fuck you for using AK primer. That's an insult. Hey, just if I how's how's this for more insulting? Uh thirteen or so hobby stores. Guess how many people are are in my city? Uh slightly under two million. So for Two million people have thirteen hobby stores, and they're all within a fifteen to twenty minute drive from me. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> hey, Callum, have you ever I suck started you. a shotgun? <laughs> Why go uh, on to the steps? Uh, I just, I just love digging that knife in. You know, it's it's the one thing I've got. <laughs> Come Here I was in California with like zero hobby stores within a fucking hour's drive of me between San Diego and Los Angeles. Well, yeah, and because then, like an hour's drive from you is one city block. Well, no, there's this thing called the I-5, Dennis. I've been on American highways. I know for a fact that they're just surface streets. You are a surface street. Oh, you think so? Yeah, you get run through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, on that note, uh, gentlemen, this is just the three of us today. Shall we start this thing? Thanks, Ezra, you fucking dancer. Yeah. Well, and Jack for to... something. Oh, God. Uh, you are yep. listening to the Micro Machines podcast. We are currently running on a skeleton crew because Ezra decided that dancing is more important than us. After, after, <laughs> after he was the reason we moved tonight's episode to tonight, not last night. Yeah, that so, as well. Dancing. So subscribe to our Patreon, and you'll see hear us bitching out Ezra. <laughs> Honestly, subscribe to our Patreon so we can just hire an intern to be like an on-call podcast member. So whenever Ezra, Ezra inevitably decides to uh, drop out of an episode, we can just call up our intern and say, hey. Hire an on. intern. What? I mean, why don't we just have an unpaid intern? Yeah, we could just... Alright, if you want to be an intern for us, send us an application over our Discord. We can definitely totally give you legitimate like college credits, totally. We'll give you uh, exposure. <laughs> <laughs> But you need at least five years of industry experience and a master's of the art. <laughs> and, and a gas license. And a gas license. That was like 90% of the jobs on Indeed when I was looking for jobs for in like entrance jobs. I was like, holy fuck. My people. favorite thing being in computer science is that all the jobs 
literally say, hey, this is an entry-level developer position. Yeah, you need at least a master's in this and five years experience, and your GitHub page has to look like the flipping color green. Yeah, I hate it. I need... I need your uh, all your W-2s. I need your social security number. I need your dick size. I need your IP address. <laughs> I need your firstborn. <laughs> and then rights to your lastborn. Uh, and then maybe we'll talk about an interview. <laughs> I'm, I'm just imagining Garrison like holding up uh, Will towards the city of Wichita building like the Lion King. Fuck no. I love my job, but no. <laughs> All right, no. introductions. Let's yes, go. Yes, introductions. Okay. Let's go. Callum, send it. Come on, Callum. All right, so you got me, Callum, from New Zealand, and I am on the soft drinks at the moment. I've got a Coke because I'm heading out later with the missus, so I'm not starting early. Fair enough. Well, got me, Garrison, uh, in good old Kansas. Let's go Midwest. Uh, drinking a water tonight, no coffee, and working on a AliExpress Italian anti-tank gun and crew vignette. And you got me, Dennis, in Ontario. I'm currently working on a day-old stale coffee. You, Ezra, have an ass. What the fuck is wrong with you? Hey, it's not. At least I'm not drinking paint thinner on the podcast. I it, day-old coffee, Dennis. Well, yeah. You well, yeah. No, Dennis, no. It's bad, it, Dennis. It's called The Struggle, man. It's called The Podcast Grind. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. I mean, come All on, right. Well, what are we on, talking we'll, about today? We've got one Patreon, and it's only for $3. He can't quite afford a prop- fresh coffee yet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, come you're on. Right, you're right. We've got the Callum Primer Fund and the Dennis Coffee Fund. Anyways, this week, we are discussing the Seawolf class nuclear attack submarine. Send it. All righty. Um, so given the fact that this is primarily an armor focused podcast and because we're all armor guys, I figured we might want to have some historical context before I start ranting and raving about why I love the submarine. So what is an SSN or nuclear attack submarine? Um, so basically what it's a round tube full of semen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's It's hard. It's round. It's full of semen. Uh, Penetrates a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah, that's that's all the context you need. Hey, good episode, guys. <laughs> good episode, guys. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> hey, no. it's uh, it's a short episode, just like a lot of other things with tubes that are full of semen. Uh, we're filthy. <laughs> yeah, we're awful. Anyway, Dennis, what are you saying? <laughs> So, anyways, yes, long whatever. So, in the Second World War, we have this thing that comes out called the attack submarine, and basically, the idea here is that um, to counter warships, convoy merchantmen, and even other submarines, um, countries like Germany with their Kriegsmarines start developing these submarines. Um, at the time, they were diesel electric, so they would have these diesel engines that would basically, while they were on the surface, charge these electric batteries. So they could run relatively quietly under the surface of the ocean. And the idea here with these attack submarines is that they use usually torpedoes basically to hunt other vessels, right? Um, This is a bit of a departure because prior to the Second World War, submarines were basically just treated as 
surface combatant vessels with their deck guns that could go slightly below the surface of the ocean for short periods of time. Um, attack submarines, on the other hand, are designed to spend most of their time underwater um, and to attack from underwater as well. So, so this would be kind of what we think of submarines today. When you think of like, uh, I'm trying to think, you guys, have you watched The Hunt for Red October? Yes. Yes. So you know what the uh, USS Dallas was? Yes. So let me fire up the laser pointer here. So the USS Dallas is this one right here in the middle. I'm skipping ahead a bit, but that was a Los Angeles class uh, fast attack submarine. Okay. So I want to fast forward a bit, but basically here's one thing you guys need to know. So nuclear reactors were really important for submarines, more than basically for any other kind of ship in the Navy, because... Nuclear reactors, when you put them in a submarine like this uh, Sturgeon class here, which I th think this one is, this flows from 1967, I want to say. Um, nuclear reactors, when you put them in a submarine, allow them to run underwater basically indefinitely. Um, because nuclear reactors, they if you give them enough for enriched uranium, you don't really ever have to refuel them over the course of about 25, 30 years. Right? So their endurance is limited only by the amount of food they can carry on board for their crews. So this is incredibly important. It means that submarines can now just kind of operate indefinitely. They can go as fast as you can possibly make them in terms of hydrodynamics. Uh, they, they are, they level up. Let's put it that way. So it starts in the 1950s with the USS Nautilus. Um, and then basically, in the Cold War, we have this arms race between the Soviet Union and its uh, and the NATO allies. Basically, see who can make the fastest submarines with nuclear reactors in them. Um, they basically be as fast as possible, as quiet as possible, so that other submarines don't detect them, and um, able to carry you know the biggest armament, as it were. So. To give some context for the Seawolf, um, the first major nuclear submarine class we have to talk about is the Sturgeon class submarine. So these were the 637 class from the United States Navy. Uh, they entered service in 1967 and they were basically kind of like the main or the auxiliary submarines all the way up until the 1980s. I think the last one was retired in 2004. Um, they weighed 4,700 tons submerged. They were powered by an S5W reactor. So a bit of a note on like the uh, nomenclature here. So the U.S. Navy uses this like three-character naming system for their nuclear reactors to tell you basically what they are. So the S here basically just stands for it's a submarine reactor. It's a pressurized water reactor. Um, Callum, I, I thought for the sake of time, I would leave out the description of what a PWR is. Give me a hip pocket class real quick, like basic yeah. summary. Do okay. a like real sum summary. Oh. Okay, so um, a pressurized water reactor basically works like this: you have control, not control rods, fuel tubes full of uh, enriched uranium, and enriched uranium is highly radioactive, right? Um, when you put water near these fuel tubes, basically the water heats up because of the radiation coming off the enriched uranium. The water basically goes through a steam pipe. Um, it spins a turbine, which generates electric power, and then it condenses, and basically it's just like this closed loop. The water heats up, drives the turbine, cools down, and then gets heated up again. Um, so the advantage with the PWR design is that you can make them fairly small, even back in the 1960s. like They were pretty advanced for what they were. So you can make them small enough to fit inside a submarine, which again provides it with basically unlimited power. 
um, I think, just to kind of give you guys an idea of how much power we're talking about here. So this one, the uh, Sturgeon had 15,000 shaft horsepower. <laughs> shaft. <laughs> <laughs> the shaft in the long tube. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but like we're talking about a huge amount of power here, um, and that's back in the 1960s. So these are basically like they are pretty decent submarines for what they are. They are relatively loud. And one of the things we're going to keep talking about in this episode is the acoustic signature of a submarine. So basically, because of the way that a sound travels in water, um, how loud these things are is incredibly important because they want to be, avoid being detected, obviously. So one of the issues here is basically um, there's a certain amount of noise that the submarine cannot avoid making because it has to run the pumps in its nuclear reactors, right, to circulate the water. Um, but beyond that, there's a lot of ways that they can try and reduce the amount of sound that they make. Um, and that's going to be a very important part of their design to try and be stealthier so that, you know, it's harder for them to be detected. Um, but this one, the Sturgeon, it's okay with the S5W reactor, which is the fifth generation Westinghouse PWR reactor. Uh, I can make 26 knots submerged. Um, again, these are all faster underwater than they are on the surface because of the design of their hull. Um, they're very hydrodynamic. And they had a complement of 107 people with four torpedo tubes. And how long for 127 people, how long could they stay submerged for like uh, out in the ocean for refueling like and reef? That's pretty subjective. No one really gives a solid figure primarily because like, normally normally it's about 120 days like they say we're going to keep putting up food in here for 120 days but it could go a lot longer than that depending on how heavily they loaded it um again it's only limited by basically it's got 30 years of endurance and how much food you can carry damn yeah so this was basically the main hunter killer submarine the u.s navy used in the late 1960s and 1970s but there was an issue so, you know, as I was talking about, the S5W reactor, it's fifth generation. It's a pretty good design. Uh, Sturgeon is a pretty good design, but it's relatively loud. It can only make 26 knots, um, which is not fast enough to keep up with some of the Soviet fast attack submarines. And I'll speak more on them later. So in 1976, we get the USS Los Angeles, or I should say the Los Angeles class, the 688 class uh, fast attack submarine. These are huge compared to the the long metal tube is massive. Uh, it's 7,000 tons submerged. It has a complement of 129 people, um, and it's equipped with the S6G reactor. Now, the important thing to understand here is that this is a full generation uh, ahead of what Sturgeon was using. So despite this being way larger, way heavier, uh, it can go 33 knots. Um, for submarines at this time, 1976, it that's fast. Like, that is... I'm trying to think. 33 knots. Oh, man. Well, put it, put it this way. My dad's about 40 yacht. kilometers an hour. Yeah, put it this way. My yeah. dad's yacht, when we have full sail, we can get about 11 to 12 knots on the on the uh, water. So they can literally go about three times faster than us. Yeah, and this so, is... So, uh, homeboy's cooking it. Yeah. Really cooking. Yeah. Um, and one of the other things that's important with the uh, 688 class is that it is a lot quieter. And it basically, re the redesign of the reactor for the sixth generation makes it a lot quieter. The pumping noises are not as loud. The sonar arrays on board the 688, they're a lot more powerful. 
so it can also hear Soviet subs a lot further away than they can hear it, um, which makes this basically the this is the mainstay of the United States Navy's uh, fast attack submarine fleet, even to this day. There's, I think, 26 of them still in service, more than any other in the world. Wow. Like, they really crank these out. And, basically and where, hear, do you know where they're stationed at? Are they on all, all over the place, on both in the Pacific and the Atlantic coasts of America. I've got um, a and, picture on my Facebook I took while on ship, and they did it. We did a show of force. Uh, in the tiny Taiwanese Strait, and there was a submarine. I got a picture of. I'm going to send it to you real quick. But keep let going. Let me see if I can identify it. It's going to take me a moment to find it, but go ahead. Yeah. But anyways, I'm basically just breezing through this to tell you guys, like, the United States Navy is in this arms race with the Soviet Union to try and build submarines that are fast, quiet, and are able to dive deep. Um, and over here on the side, we just see basically, um, but. Between 1976 and the present day, they've done basically three main modifications to the to the uh, 688. Um, the first one, just got your bone stock, 688, that came out in 76. Then around the 80s, excuse me, we come out with the 688 VLS. And this one basically extends the hull a little bit. And the idea here is basically now it's got a vertical launching system for the Tomahawk uh, cruise missile in place of a few torpedoes. And then there's the 688i, which is the one that we see in service today. In addition to the VLS, it also replaced the uh, dive planes um, down here. And it's a little bit faster, not by much, but it's also able to be a lot more maneuverable as well. And this is basically the backbone of the hunter-killer submarine fleet in the U.S. Navy. Okay. I say all this. So... And this is coming into kind of play in the 1980s, right? So in the 1980s, put yourself in the place of the U.S. Navy. You've got the LA-class boats, and those are pretty good. 33 knots is pretty fast. They are quite quiet. Um, NATO and the U.S. in particular think that's about as good as they, they need to get, at least for the time being. They don't think that the Soviet Navy is able to put out any submarines that can really counter them, right? So in 1986... We first, I'll, I'll kind of go to this one first. So we see the uh, Project 971 Akula-class uh, fast attack submarine coming out of the Soviet Navy. Um, and this one, in 85, 86, it, it, basically the main thing here is that this took Western intelligence by surprise. Uh, the U.S. Navy in particular did not think the Soviets had the ability to build a submarine like this at least for another 10 years. So basically, what come out, came out in 85, they were anticipating it to come out in 95. Um, Important parts, things with the Yakula class. Um, this is a very good hunter-killer submarine in terms of the, what the Soviets were able to make. It features uh, two important detection systems. So the first thing is a wake detection system, which basically can tell it, like, based on water currents, are there vessels nearby? And also, it has a towed array, which is this little egg-shaped container on the back. And American subs feature this as well, but the Soviets at the time were just starting to put them into production. And basically the issue with the submarine, right, is that the sonar is in the bow and it's pointing forward, right? So we can't really see anything that's behind it, which means that you can easily, if you're in one submarine, get behind another and trail it and no one would even know that you're there, which obviously is a huge issue. The idea with a sonar towed array is that it's a big line, just a big rope more or less with a bunch of hydrophones attached to it and the submarine can literally tow this uh, line behind it 
and listen to whatever is was in its baffles. That's what it's called. It's listening to its baffles. So that was really bad because, I mean, with the Los Angeles class subs, when they were getting behind Soviet submarines, they would always just stay in their baffles so they couldn't be heard. Well, now the Soviets know that they're there. That's a big issue. Another issue, it can make 35 knots submerged, um, which is really fast. It's faster than the Los Angeles class subs. It can't outrun the torpedoes, but it could definitely outrun the, the submarines themselves. Um, and it's just in general a really good design. It's made out of titanium. And it's relatively lightweight. It's fast. It can dive very deep. That's not a good thing. Um, so that catches the by surprise, and that gets people awake at night. The other one is the Project 941 Typhoon. So this one was built in... Uh, I'm trying to think. When did they release this? 80, 19... I think 81. The first one came to service in 81. So this one here is the largest submarine ever built. It is huge. It's absolutely massive. And this is what's called an SSBN. The SSBN uh, nomenclature basically says it's a ballistic missile submarine. So they are bigger and slower than normal attack submarines like the Akula. However, they're designed to carry ballistic missiles, SLBMs. Um, this one could carry 20 such SLBMs. Which made it, you know, it's a pretty big deal for the U.S. Navy. That's a that's something you want to counter immediately. Um, it can make twenty eight knots submerged. So for an SSBM, that's fast. And again, the idea with these is that they're basically designed to just sit, move silently, move quietly, be stealthy, and move around the coastlines of the other nations. Right. So for it to make 28 knots is a big deal because it can get to different parts of the world a lot faster. Um, it can't outrun hunter killers but they can definitely it can definitely get away from them if they don't have a good lock on it and just a bit of trivia here so the submarine in the hunt for red october is actually an, a typhoon hmm so do you know so the have you heard about that russian uh sub that's going around the states right now the bore class yeah it's so yeah. what 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 is that that exactly. is an SSBN. So that is basically okay. the replacement for the Typhoon. It's not as big. It's a, not as fast either, as I understand it. It's basically... It, it's a completely different design. As far as I understand it, it is an upgrade of the Delta IV SSBN design. Um, Bores are weird, and you can look them up on Wikipedia. They are kind of vaporware because, as I understand it, there's like two of them that are functional right now. Um, and with the state of the Russian Navy, I'm not even sure to what extent, but they phase the Typhoon out in favor of those Bores. Um, so yeah, it's a different design entirely, um, not as big, a little bit faster. I think, I'm not sure about the speed, actually. I'm going to have to check that. But yeah, okay. yeah. but they, they, those basically emphasize stealth more so with an older design than the uh, Typhoon. But similar in role, similar in role. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate it. So these coming out in the 80s, right, these are a big headache for NATO. Um, the Americans don't really, especially when it comes to Akula, they are not really expecting this. They don't think that the Soviets have the ability to make submarines that are this advanced. So they've kind of hedged their bets with the Los Angeles class. And now all of a sudden there are these submarines that are coming out that are able to counter the 688s more effectively. And the Americans start to lose their, their uh, advantage in terms of this naval arms race. 
So that means that they have to come up with a new hunter-killer sub. And that is the USS Seawolf, or the Seawolf class. So basically, to sum it up, the Seawolf class is like the Los Angeles class, but it is faster, it can dive deeper, it is stronger, and it is a lot, lot quieter. So I'll just kind of start going through some basic facts about it here. And this is a photo of it while it was being constructed. And this is an artist's rendition from the 80s. That's nice. Oh, yeah. So basically, yeah, this is designed to wrest control of the arms race from the Soviets and once again make the Americans the leaders in it. The main thing with the Seawolf is it's made out of this thing called HY-100 steel. So basically, when we're talking about the steel that is used to make submarines, there's this classification system called the HY system. And the HY system basically, to sum it up, the number that is beside the HY corresponds to, I believe, the yield strength of it. So I think it's, if you've got, say, HY-80 steel, which is what this uh, the uh, Los Angeles class is made out of, it can it will yield at 80,000 PSI. So basically, if you apply 80,000 pounds of pressure per square inch of that steel, it will yield. Essentially, it will it'll be crushed, right? So HY-80 was pretty good, and that was the standard all the way up until the 1980s, and then HY-100 comes out. Now, why is that important? That means that the submarine can go a lot deeper in the ocean, and it can survive a lot greater um, pressures before it gets to its crush depth. So it can go deeper, which means that it is harder to de- to uh, detect. It can go a bit faster. It's stealthier, right? And also diving is a tactical advantage as well if it needs to evade torpedoes. Uh, it uses the S6W reactor um, like the Los Angeles class, but there are some improvements made to squeeze all the power they can get out of it. Um, this allows it to make 35 knots. Now, importantly, the Seawolf has this thing called a pump jet. So I'll go back a couple of slides here. You see how the Los Angeles class has just a single propeller screw at the back? Yes. So that's not... I mean, that's how most submarines are built, including uh, these two. But the disadvantage with that is that it, it's they tend to cavitate in higher depths, which is basically where it produces a lot more noise and bubbles than it might, just because of the, you know, the hydrodynamic qualities of the depth it's at. Um, that's not good because it means that the submarine can be heard more easily. Now, what a pump jet is, it's basically a propeller that's in a, a duct. So, like, you know uh, duct fans, right? Uh-huh. Imagine something like that on the back of this, and that basically reduces the risk of cavitation, and it means that this submarine can go up to 20 knots uh, silently, which is stupid fast. Like, So moving around stealthily where it's very difficult to detect, 20 knots is definitely... That's a leg up on anything the Soviets have because traditionally Soviet submarines, they are a lot louder than American ones. So to move around stealthily, they can do it at like five knots. Um, unlike the Los Angeles class, which has four torpedo tubes, this one has eight. So it can engage eight different targets simultaneously. And the first one is made in 1989. Basically, one thing here I want to note with eight torpedo tubes, there's one reason for that. It's designed to attack the typhoons. Like the, its only job is to find these and sink them. So the idea here is basically because the Russians operate in wolf packs where they have multiple submarines working together and the Americans operate alone, more torpedo tubes means that it can engage both the typhoon and its escorts simultaneously. Okay, so they're playing it smart. 
this is like designed for one purpose. So, um, in 1989, the plan is that they're going to build uh, 29 of them. Basically, they're just going to take the Los Angeles class and replace them completely with these. They are so much better. They figure, you know what, let's just spend the money, right? So, three of these end up being built because in 1991, the Soviet Union collapses. So, basically, the need for these submarines goes away. So, three end up being built, uh, SSN 21, 22, and 23. Garrison, guess how much each one cost? Oh God, uh, seventeen trillion. Well, you were absolutely right. I'm just kidding. They were three billion dollars uh, each. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's three billion. Three billion in 1989 dollars. Oh, okay, that's fair. Okay, so seventeen billion. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the 2018 money, that's five billion dollars. God. Yeah. Um, they are the second most expensive submarines ever built. That there's a problem. Yeah. That's where my tax money is going. <laughs> my taxes. I paid for that. <laughs> I paid for it. I deserve to have a ride. <laughs> that Joe yeah. Biden don't need to be on that. That needs to be me. <laughs> yeah, but basically three of them get built. Um they are, despite only three of them being built, the best submarines by far in the U.S. Navy. Like, even though they were built in 1989, even though there are only three of them, they are the best. They are absolutely stupendous submarines. And I can talk a lot about, like, just why they're so much better than the Los Angeles. But the issue here, of course, is cost. So they can only build three of them, given the fiscal realities of the post, uh, post-Soviet economic real, uh, world order. Um. But yeah, so Seawolf comes first, then you get Connecticut. Um, Connecticut is interesting because like just last year, it was involved in a collision in the Pacific. Uh, despite all the amazing sonar these things have, it still managed to hit a rock, and it really messed up the bow. <laughs> but that was a scary moment on the inside well, of that well, thing. Apparently, like, there was a gash like this long along the bow, and just water was flooding in. It had to do I... an emergency surface. I would have probably shot myself. I I, yeah, I don't like these. I like looking at them. I don't want to be in one. And the last one is the USS Jimmy Carter. Maybe. Only for you. Don't do it. Now, Jimmy Carter is interesting, and I should do a quick digression here, because um, this is a profile of the original Seawolf design, right? Pretty similar to the Los Angeles, save for, you know, like the pump jet, you know, different bow. So... Because they only built three of these, there was a need for a special operations submarine, right? One that could accommodate Navy SEALs, uh, one that could basically tap uh, fiber optic cables that lay on the ocean floor, one that can do spying. So they take the USS Jimmy Carter and basically it's extended. You see this section right here? They add that in to make it significantly longer. And that holds all these really cool systems that no one actually knows about. So... Yeah, there's, it's basically like it's a three ship class, but it's more like one Seawolf class and one Jimmy Carter class. But that is the Seawolf fleet. <laughs> Where's the JFK class? I get shot in the dome. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, could pass that one up. Yeah, but uh... that is Seawolf. It is the coolest submarine out there. No one can argue argue differently. Let's talk about the models. Uh, the, model, the model situation is dusty. It's grimy, even. Like, these are basement finds. So, 
the best model I would say is this one from Trumpeter. And this is it's just a bad vote. This one came out in like 2010. It's actually a pretty decent mold. It's in one to one forty four scale, so it's pretty large. Uh, the tube is pretty long. Um, that one was pretty cool because it actually molds what's called the anchiotic tiling on it. And anchiotic tiling, it's basically sound absorbent rubber that's placed on the hull of the submarine. And it basically absorbs the sound. It's kind of like stealth jets, how they get painted with that radar absorbing paint. It's the same thing, but for stealth. Uh, Didn't they find something like that with a German U-boat off the coast of Mex of like America or something? They they found a U-boat. German U-boats are actually what uh, started that. So the Germans came up with anchiotic tiling. Yeah, so they found a U-boat and they was like, "What? Why is there rubber mats on it?" Yeah, it was it yep. been sunk, been sunk because it hit a mine. <laughs> that that's what they want you to think. I was there. I sunk it. <laughs> he was banging on the hatch with a hammer. Oh God! Open up. Coast Guard, Coast Guard stall. I'm about, I'm about to say not the Coast Guard. I should have joined the Coast Guard. Actually, no, I shouldn't have. I hate the water. And then we've got the Sea Wolf class submarine from Trump. Oh, sorry, Trumpeter Bronco and one the three fifty, which is pretty nice. I've got their uh, Los Angeles class kit. Again, one thing with submarine kits is that it's just a tube, right? So like. Painting it's really easy. Building it's really easy. You get to mess around with the weathering, though. I think the main, the fun part of um, building submarines is you got to you got to do a resin, like resin mold or something for them, eh? Oh yeah. Well, oh man, twenty two do- twenty two euros. That's a lot to pay for two resin pieces. By I might just do it. <laughs> just then, go uh, to like Home Depot and get some like PVC pipe and. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing i swear and then we've got this one from hobby boss and hobby boss to their credit does a lot of great submarines this is the jimmy carter so the extended version the the erect seawolf as you would um the one to 700 scale and then there's this one i forget what manufacturer makes this but this is a resin kit that came out like when they were originally building it this is like a 1990s vintage kit did you say vintage vintage <laughs> Say what? Where? What? Where? 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 <laughs> Callum's like the Kool Aid man. Callum's already put a bid on this kit. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, I remember that one. I put a bid on it last week. <laughs> <laughs> Five bucks. Who would have thought? <laughs> Shit. Hey, not bad. Thirty nine minutes. Damn. Was that? You know, was that only thirty? Crap. That. That felt so short. It did. It did. Uh, they all say that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when when you suck and it is short, you know. Anyway, Calum, make sure to leave that bit in. Oh yeah, I, I will. It, the awkward silence to... really just makes it better. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> And that was the Seawolf uh, SSN. I decided to keep it short and sweet so that we wouldn't lose any more credibility than we already have. We had some to start with. We, we apparently did. We were in Fine Scale Modeler Magazine. Shit. Hey, quick question. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, I'm almost done assembling the last figure for this uh, ATG crew and the gun. 
I'm going to re-upload the photos after the hobby news. Could you refresh the slides? Yes. Okay, thank you. This episode is brought to you by Autoloader Decals. Have you wandered around the shelves of your local hobby store and found that perfect model kit? Great tooling, fun to build, and look, you remember seeing the subject. Perhaps it was a truck in the ubiquitous white UN paint scheme in the newspaper, or maybe it was a Sherman tank from your local armor unit. Everything is lining up for a fantastic new project, one with a more interesting connection to yourself, instead of a project derived from a history book. Then you open the kit, and there are none of those specific markings to be found. Water slide decals really put the final touch on a model, and unfortunately for the model maker, most kit manufacturers won't put too much time into designing decals that produce a finished model in anything but its most stereotypical form. That's why Autoloader Decals exists. It is their sincere hope that you'll be able to find as much enjoyment using these special water slides as they have. Autoloader Decal pro products are primarily focused on Canadian subjects, but in general if you're looking for markings that represent vehicles from lesser known parts of modern history, chances are you might just be able to find something worth trying. The water slide decals are printed through an inkjet printer and sealed with a high quality varnish to ensure their strength on the model. Unlike most other water slides, these decals only need to be submerged for a few seconds and can be placed right onto the model. They are incredibly tough and won't yellow over time. For an added benefit, decals intended for 1 to 35 scale are treated with a special varnish that gives a subtle, painted on look that's both in scale and more realistic than other brands offerings. All the products currently in production are listed in the store page. If you have a custom design you would like to order, the best way of making this order is to send an email through the contact page. Generally, the cost of a custom order will be 40-50% to 50 higher than any products that are in stock to account for labour. Also, as a special deal, if you, have, if you are ordering a set of custom decals and you mention the Micro Machines podcast, you'll receive a free exclusive MMP Pinju decal with your order. So next time you're looking to build a specific or unique vehicle, look towards Autoloader decals. And now, back to the show. Speaking of... Shall we do the hobby news? No. Send it. Oh! Oh, look at that. <laughs> uh, so, Miniart uh, announced a German 7.5cm anti-tank gun, the Pack 40 This is the early production. So, it's got a very cool tricycle-type trailer and a pretty neat camouflage on it, on the box art. And, yeah, all, everyone who likes early war stuff uh it's an early production pack 40 yeah fucking hell yeah look at that i want it ambassador box is coming up with two new figure kits from the ukrainian series uh we yeah i think it's i just saw the box art for these i didn't actually see the figures but i'm gonna guess they'll probably be pretty comparable in quality to the ones they made back in 2022 oh uh, yeah these look pretty so... good these caused a, uh, well, was it the one on the left that caused an argument on our server? Did it? No, no, that was the earlier ones, the Azov Battalion ones. Oh, okay, gotcha. I, I love having to explain to adults that you can that you can just say that people who are fascist are bad without saying an entire country's bad. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> oh no, some people have a Nazi flag. The whole country's bad. Yes, uh, I got... do think all of Germany's bad. Yeah. Yes. Fuck <laughs> Germany. Sorry, Val. Sorry, Val. Yeah. <laughs> Should be on the podcast more. Yep. <laughs> We're so, kidding. We're kidding. 
Academy are releasing a 172nd. Uh, it's the T3485. Uh, however, I got a note on this. I was looking through Scalemates edit. This is basically a reboxing of a 2002 Ravel kit. No, I don't see with, Ravel. With no. new decals. It's, well, no. It's just a rebox with new decals, but it's a 2002 no. Ravel. Callum, don't do that to me, man. <laughs> I'm going to do it to you. I'm trying How to get into 172. No idea. Oh, God, it's it's going to be like, I'm calling it 30 bucks. Not worth it. Dude, I, I am trying to get into 72 scale because it is legitimately awesome detail. The modern kits are, this thing is going to be garbage. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 2002 Ravel. Oh. Although, if you tell Ezra, he'll say there's nothing wrong with it and he'll buy yeah, it because it's Ravel, Ravel and Academy. No, no, no. What he'll do is he'll explain there's nothing wrong with it and then he'll spend like 10 minutes explaining what's wrong with it. Yeah. At yeah. the dance. And and also, it's just another T3485. What do you do? Yeah, nothing special about it. Where's my fucking bed frame armor and like Russians like shooting a flare? <laughs> okay, what's next? Stupid T3485. Oh. Ugh. Ugh. I, I love how this is the one episode. <sighs> Come on. Uh, so, Dallas Work is making a 1 to 16 scale Stug 3 Ausfrung G with Winter Cadent. Yay. Yay, let's Another skip this one. snug. Yeah. <laughs> Something more interesting. Mini Art is getting a bit cheesy. They uh, they released this cheese delivery <laughs> car. <laughs> that was really fucking good, Cal. That was, that was nice. <laughs> Uh, I get the occasional good ones, yeah. Uh, but so many <laughs> are releasing their they're continuing. They've got this line of interesting early and post-war civilian vehicles that honestly look really, really cool. This is a cheese delivery card. The Leifa. Oh fuck! Pritch Pritch wagon type one seventy V. Whatever the fuck you'll 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 see it on the slides or if you. Want to try and search it up on Google? Just smash your head against the keyboard. You'll probably get in. You'll probably get the spelling <laughs> at some point. <sighs> oh man! But it looks it looks like it comes with like a giant cheese wheel to go on the back with it. So that's I mean that that's just got me right there and then. So you know, it's got a it's got a it's got a roll of Greer. It's got an Emmental. It's got ooh, what's that other one? Who knows? You got a whole bunch of cheeses to go on the back of it, though. So, yeah, all the cheese, all the cheese. Dude, imagine having like a Sherman tank just covering the back with cheese. <laughs> I, you know what? Now I want to get not this. Not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I want to like, get this all like... melting. It's all melting through the engine grill. <laughs> oh God! I tell you one thing, Mini Art better. They better release the cheeses just as their own accessory kit. Oh, they will. They will. Yeah, that'd be cool. You know I mean, how they many did pigeons my cycle molds. <laughs> Wait, they did pigeons? Yeah, they did 35th scale pigeons as an accessory kit. Oh my... Wh what? When? Uh, like last year. you know about this? Yeah. No, you, I need that. You don't know about the pigeons? <laughs> no, Bro, I don't. If Miniar is known for anything, it's the pigeons. Yeah. I've, and everyone's sitting there going, God. why? <laughs> because of people like me who would actually buy it. Because I want my damn pigeons. <laughs> what is this? Uh, DOS work is making this one to thirty-five scale Schwimmwagon triple. <laughs> the Schwimmwagon. 
The Schwimmenwagen. <laughs> well, what is this? It's um, it looks like okay. half Kubel wagon, half boot. I guess it looks so, like a shoe. Yeah. It's a it's shoe a, with wheels. I love how they say correct shaped rounded main body. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> we'll take your word for it. <laughs> it I looks like absolutely... a, I, I just see a work shoe. It's a it's a yeah, shoe. I have no idea what this is. It kind of looks interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll take it. But Horizon Islands Defense Forces nuclear submarine. It's oh just my if god! I, if I bought it, I'll put laces. I'll just end up putting laces on it. Oh, you know Tide the. Uh, I'm about to say, you know the uh, like the tugboats that help like bring in like uh, aircraft carriers and shit. Yes. Yeah. This. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Garrison, Rubber you built the uh, Horizon Islands submarine. You build the tug. <laughs> I got you, fam. I would too. I put like a little thirty cal on it with like some rubber mats on the side, with like some Walmart bags on there. <laughs> uh, they so Dustwork are also releasing this L A R C V early version, which is uh, another amphibious type vehicle. Uh, this one is actually a Gecko models kit. Uh, Dustwerk have just added in their own decals, about five extra decal sheets. So this is a this is a gecko cooperation kit, but um, so it's got so it's uh, got details for the Bundeswehr, early Vietnam, Portugal, U.S. Navy, U.S. Army. Yeah, I think it looks cool. That's that's pretty cool cool vehicle. Man, Dustwerk will literally do anything to avoid having to make their own kits. I swear. Yeah. Is it just me though? If you look on the box art, that guy in the middle looks like photoshopped or like it looks weird. Yeah, really. They don't even they don't even make their own uh, box art. They get AI to do it for them. <laughs> Maybe it Mark is. My words. That's coming. That's coming. Yeah. Are you upset about AI taking over your job, Dennis? I've got a computer science degree. I I, I make the AI. <laughs> no, yeah, he's the, the, he's the, the AI. The AI is gonna go to like human science school to work on us. Thanks to you, there will be no more computer science. It'll be human science and computer. It, I'm gonna school. I'm gonna work on AI that becomes smart enough, right to the point, it becomes sentient enough to write itself, and I'm gonna unplug it and then redo it all to make more money. <laughs> Infinite money glitch. It's uh. just in GTA. <laughs> And then there's oh. the Dasavirk had four releases. This is uh, the MT. Oh, f- you got it. MTL fucking Klingon. Hey, if you're gonna do naughty time, do it off the. Yeah, I was gonna say. Basically, it's an it's an eight ton SDKFZ seven with crew, and it has six six soldier figures included. So. All you need is a uh, pack forty four hooked onto the back, and you're all good to go. So it's that's got actually kind of sweet. Image you sent me. Button. You did. Yeah, that, that's the seawall. Uh, wait a second. That's, that's one from Google. I have to. It's on the picture I took. Is on my little video recorder camera. I gotta download yeah. that stuff to my. No, nah, that's a Los Angeles class. You got one of the uh, the, the shitty ones. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> oh, and also uh, this. Uh, SDKFZ7 is a dragon kit. Uh, That's very doing the co-ops again. 
Man, DOS is DOS work. DOS work is like the AliExpress of fucking companies, but Bro, it's just like just more a irritating. Front for Dragon, they're just a shell corporation for tax evasion <laughs> purposes. Yeah, yeah, it's the at this point, yeah. <laughs> but it does have a complete interior and workable single track oh. links. So, oh, oh, I mean, I would hope there's an interior. It's all fucking open. <laughs> <laughs> I got excited at first, and I looked at it again. I'm like, oh, well, actually, I, don't, I would fucking hope there's an interior. <laughs> well, maybe interior as in there's an engine. Oh, God. Yuck. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> uh, Get it for the scrapyards. Well, our dreams have come true. Uh, TACOM is releasing a 135 scale T55AD, uh, the Draws, which is a T55 with the uh, Droid APS system that we covered in episode two. Uh, Garrison. Yes. One of these for the Horizon Islands Marine Corps. Yes. They've got like one. It's got marginally marginally less rust on it. I uh, see. I I am debating between this one and the one we're using for uh first place to get on. I'd say wait for this one. Really? It'll be out soon. Yeah, but the other one is like it's so cool. But this one's got the uh. Airborne torpedoes. When is it coming out? It's a, it's a tough decision. It is a tough decision. It um, really is. Like, legit, like the other one has, the other one has so many other marking thing, like marking options and shit like that. But this one it's has just, a laser rangefinder. Exactly. Like I don't, dude. Horizon Islands rolling through the fold gap. <sighs> <laughs> you see, if I do a T fifty five, it won't be for cold work because I already got two builds for it. No, you have to make it tropical. You you can't say no. Oh no, I definitely would make it tropical, but it just wouldn't be Cold War like you know for the Cold War build. Uh, I think the if God. I was, I really want to build a T fifty five, but I think the only one I'll do is probably be like a North Vietnamese one from the Vietnam War. That'd be cool. Yeah, put the foliage on it and all of that. Yeah, that would be pretty. Tense. I'm getting this whenever it comes out. I, I'm putting my name down on one of them. Well, we expect a full review, just like the comment. Yes. And finally, amusing hobby, uh, bringing out a, a, I wrote T-84, it's actually an M-84A main battle tank, so this is in 35th, and I didn't really see a lot of info about it. Anyone know what an M-84 is? Isn't it just I like a... I believe it's T- just a Yugoslav production version of the T-72. Ah, uh, right. Although there, there's snorkel. definitely some Look. differences. Oh yeah, it's got a snorkel. That's cool. It's a submarine. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Horizon Island Submarine Force. Oh god! <laughs> Go get them, boys! You're just rolling. It's Callum rolling around in his uh, dad's yacht, and all of a sudden, one of these does an emergency surface beside him. He hey yo! 15 feet out of the water. <laughs> Sorry, we weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> Damages the yacht. All right, I am done with my pictures now. Almost. Yes, but this will be cool to see because I know they do a good job with their T-72s. Like, they're really well detailed. Mm. Yeah. Ugly you go Slav. They'll be, I mean, that the box art alone, the camouflage looks awesome. Now time for our whips. I will refresh the slides. Thank you, puppy. There we are. Garrison, you gave me a loading screen. Damn you. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, This is going to go on the blooper reel. Yep.
All right. So I've got a few slides this week. What's new? Which, uh, so first thing that's new is I'm finally driving a truck with a trailer to get my CDL. Took long enough. Uh, thought that was a cool picture. And then I've made some progress on my fireball diorama. I got the rough cutouts of all three buildings I'll be using. Um, I spent all week trying to find the same density of foam as you see there, but in big blocks. And unfortunately, the United States does not have any anywhere, and it's almost nearly old. This past week, I found out it's impossible to get here. Unless you have someone in a country that sells it and they can send it, good luck. Uh, so I had to glue together, cut out and glue together a bunch of fucking pieces. I'm going to have to sand them down and make them all flush and fill the gaps with putty and then sand it again. Um, that'll be a project for this upcoming week. And then I started on the It's Me as Willie's Jeep, even though it was a week late. Uh, got most of it built up to the point where I can start painting it after I get my XF86. Uh, but I made a couple of uh, uh, stretchers out of toothpicks and toilet paper and uh, Tamiya tape. Um, making that Tamiya Willie's Jeep a medical vehicle for the, uh, the fireball diorama. So that was fun. Which, uh, which Jeep kit is that one? Uh, it's a Tamiya Willie's Jeep half ton or a quarter ton. How do you like four it? Truck. Oh, dude, it went together beautifully. Like, I mean, obviously I'm not done yet, but it, it, it was a real fun, simple build. Like my wife and I sat down here, she was painting, I was building that. We just listened to scary stories and the time just flew by. No problems at all. I, I will say, uh, Tamiya Jeeps are so good to put together. I put the SAS one. Uh, the long range desert group one mm -hmm. I put that one together literally built, had the whole thing built in like two hours if that oh yeah these are just, just i yeah yeah it was lovely i took about three hours for mine i also stepped away for a little bit but i mean it was just it was so simple to do like and something i love so callum you got the uh it's the italieri jeep right with the, yes. with the wagon yeah, so I did that one. That was my first ever Willys Jeep. And the Jeep was alright. You know, it was fine, especially for an old kit. But this, compared to that, it's like day and night. Like, the wheels are a lot easier to set. Like, I put the, the, the steering wheels, uh, or the front wheels, angled to the left a little bit. Because it'll be, like, dodging some rubble. And I had no problem setting them in place. Like, I didn't have to cut anything, sand anything extra. Like, I just kind of turned them just a tad bit. And it was almost like it was made for it. It was great. Yeah. I'd say definitely <clears throat> uh, advi advice for new modelers. If they want to, they want advice on what to build, a Tamiya Jeep is like a really good starting point. Bloody brilliant. <laughs> Next. <clears throat> All right. So, here are the figures for my Fireball diorama. If you know anything about Fireball, it was the first ever Pershing knocked out in Elsdorf, Germany. This is the morning after it was knocked out while the town was still being taken. Basically, that to me is Willie's Jeep is going to be next to the Pershing with the medics grabbing the dead bodies uh, and getting the wounded. And then going to have a couple uh, riflemen from the Tamiya 
scout group or infantry set that came out last year. Got two of those guys that are going to be kind of sitting nearby. Um, really, like, really great, great bolds from uh, the old Express. Uh, really happy with how these figures kind of flow together. Those are looking great. Yeah. Danke. Yeah, those, to me, are figures especially. Look at those. That do, I'll say this. I became I have become so spoiled with resin figures because I don't like assembling a lot of like figure pieces. Like I don't mind doing like arms and a head, but those Tamiya figures were not nearly as bad of a headache as I thought they'd be. Like they went together zero problem. Uh, sanding off the the pinpoints was no problem at all. It, like it wasn't like a master box kit where you had like seventy fucking pieces. It was great. Well, I can't wait to see you do them. <clears throat> Thank you. And then what I did just what I just did was uh, built up three anti tank gun crewmen and the anti tank gun for my Italy die or vignette, my little Italy vignette I'll be making. Um, I've got two more figures to make for this. It's the uh, Ford operator or Ford observers with the binoculars and stuff. Um, but sweet little gun. Uh, barrels already drilled out on it, and lots of little extras that came with it. So uh, I thought this was real sweet little addition. That's looking great. Uh, this is what I've been working on. Slava Ukraine. Yeah, so I had this old uh, Galaxy Hobby 172 scale Max Pro kicking around in my stash. So last week, over this couple nights, I put it together. Really nice little kit. Um, only thing that I can say is seam lines on the tires, but other than that, there it was really nice, full interior. Um, painted it up as a Ukrainian lend-lease vehicle, and I 3D printed. I, I designed and 3D printed two. Uh, they're Canadians, but it's Canadian kit. But like two Ukrainian operators beside it, and uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Love to see it. Yeah, if anyone Love wants uh, modern Canadian infantry, hit me up. Yeah, that. <clears throat> the mud on the wheels look really good, eh? I like that. I had to oh, add yeah. it to uh, cover up the seam lines. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me. It was that gun, the uh, gun shield on that fifty? Just it looks upside down, just because of the it way it does look. Upside you know down. what? I always thought it was upside down. In fact, that's how they are. I never knew it, but that's how they are. I would have thought you'd have the that, that's like plexiglass up at where your eyesight is, so you can look around, not below. That's what. That's what we had. Calm, don't ask questions. This is just, I, I checked the references. This is how they are. I don't know why they are this way, but yeah. That's just weird. Heaven forbid we have anything nice in this place. We're not allowed <laughs> to have nice things. That's what it is. But yeah, this kit got me into 1 to 72 scale. Now that I can print uh, figures and stuff, I might actually start doing this more often. Please do. I'm looking. I want to see you do. Uh some uh, MBTs and 72 scale for Ukraine. Oh man, that'd be fun. We'll see. Maybe if I do end up going to wheels and wings this week uh, on Monday, who knows what'll happen? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Anything could happen. Uh, So this is my current work on my Horizon Island Defense Force M113 I'm calling it the Dragon. So I Bought the artillery um, 
Jeep and trailer just because I wanted the trailer, but I'm going to use the Jeep in the diorama anyway. But so literally I'm at the point where I can start painting it. Uh, I've just got to source some um, flexible LED diode type things just so I can create the flame and then I can run wires, run the wires as fuel pipes and then have batteries in the uh, trailer. So still got to source that, but I'm going to probably start painting it all soon. So yeah, right on. Yeah, it'd be good to. Yeah, I got plans. I'm going to paint um, a sort of faint flame de uh, detail on the down the sides of the M113, just as a sort of you know, Horizon Island Defense Force engineers are a bunch of probably psychos, but you know, <laughs> silly boys. Mm. Oh, it's Sorry. awesome. Also, Cal, question, what kit was that? Because those tracks look decent. Uh, Atelier, 1990s. And those tracks are... Um, uh, are they, uh, they Lincoln length? Yes, they are Lincoln length, and if you put in the correct number, they're not. it's not long enough. If you add one more, it's too long. Um so what I've had to do is the idler wheels, I've had to shave them down to bring the idler wheel forward more so it would get it to fit with the correct number of links. That is still better than to me of uh, plastic tracks. Kudos to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, in classic Horizon Island um, fashion, I might have put the tracks on back to front. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. no they're, they're making them last longer that way. Yeah, and also the other double whammy is because of the design and I didn't want to try and, you know, like thread the links back and forth through the thing. So I've glued the uh, sprocket, idle wheel and road wheels to the tracks. So it's, um, yeah, it's set in concrete now. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Yeah, no one's going to notice. It's going to have mud on it. It's fine. It's fine. Mud is our friend. We like yep. mud. Oh, God. And then this is my monogram... Dornia D DO17Z. I went through the pain of it had raised panel lines and I didn't really like them too much, so I went through and rescribed all the panel lines with my blade, my Exacto blade. Yeah. See, this is how I felt working on that saber. You can tell I hate myself a lot. That's <laughs> Callum. I love you, man. You're a great guy. You lost me a monogram. Mad respect for rescribing panel lines. I mean, it's. I mean, apart from the Lorraine's panel lines, it's not too bad of a kit, to be honest. I mean, yes, it's lacking a bit of detail in the cockpit, but otherwise, it's honestly not too bad. At the moment, I can't. Uh, I'm out of primer, so I can't start painting it yet. I'm also trying to source some liquid masking fluid because the Dornier has so much glazing around the cockpit, the nose, underneath the nose. I am not doing that with tape so i'm going to try and source myself some masking fluid so i can paint it on because yeah no <laughs> well callum with your fucking 13 model stores you shouldn't have a problem getting any of this stuff i never said they were well stocked <laughs> like legit fair. there are some guys on the server whose stashes are bigger than it is more stock than bloody most of the stores Jesus. but yeah so, but I did paint all four figures, which is a pain in the ass. I hate painting seventy-second scale, and also, well, and also because they weren't that good. You know, it's nineteen seventy-three monogram. What do you expect? 
I have no high, I don't have high expectations, so I won't be disappointed. Sounds familiar. Hey, I think you're going to make a great looking kid out of this when it's all said and done. Oh, he definitely will. No mm. doubt about it. Come, are you ever buying a kit with raised panel lines after this? What do you mean? I have one, two, three, four. No, five, no, no. Six. Are you buying another one? Oh, yeah. Well, of course I will. I, I build vintage kits for fun. And for that, you must die. Dennis, we <laughs> need to have an intervention. We do need to have an intervention. If, if me <laughs> buying a, a 700 scale submarine is too bad, then this is beyond the pale. But they're just so cheap and the. No, you know no, me. I'm a subject builder. I'm a subject nah. builder. Not a, not a, I'm not a brand whore. I'm a subject matter. That's, yeah, that's fair. Also, do you know how difficult it is to get a decent kit of a Dornier D17? Like, Doesn't it, I, uh, ICM make one? I uh, think so, but uh, that's definitely not in New Zealand. The only one I've seen, the only other Dornier kit I've seen around is the Airfix Vintage. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. And I really like the Dornier, so I'm kind of just grit and bear it. <laughs> You're biting the bullet. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, Greg, what's this? All right, so as last, ah, fucking words. As we said last week, uh, we have a new group build going since we finished the Battle of the Bulge. This is the Cold War group build. It has already started, ends June first. So if you would like to join, it is strictly through our Discord server. Uh, there will be a link in the description of this video to join. If you need help, either getting Discord or navigating our server, there will be a, another link down below. Uh, with a short video telling you how to do it, um, how to join the server, and how to navigate the server to go into the group building section. We have prizes for those who want to compete, and there's also a section for those who do not want to compete. All the rules and information you need are on the server. There is also a section on there. If you have any questions, feel free to ask. And yeah, looking forward to seeing all the cool builds and handing out some sweet prizes. And there is something that we're keeping secret for the moment. But there will be a big yes. announcement. A very, very big announcement. But until then, we're just going to tease them and just say, yeah, there's something there, but we won't tell you just yet. The uh, the prizes that are there are fucking sweet, but there's additions to those prizes that are to be told later down the road. Eek. So excited. <laughs> like a like a teenage girl when she goes to the mall in like 2007. Uh, and then fall. lastly... We just need to give a shout out because we actually got our very first Patreon subscriber supporter. Woo -woo. Let's yes, fucking go, gentlemen. So just want to make a big shout out to, hang on, I'm just finding his name right now. So we just want to give a big shout out to Paul Gallagher. He is our first ever Patreon supporter. He is currently Woo in the $3 Pinju supporters. Um, tier and what that is is if you become a Pinju supporter the majority of the money from those tiers go towards our very little podcast member over in Nepal that is Pinju we help uh, we sponsor adopted whatever you want to call it a red panda because we as a podcast really love red pandas and we want to make sure that they are around because they are the ultimate tank crewmen so Thanks a lot to Paul Gallagher. 
glad to have you on board and yeah thanks right on right on thank you dude awesome well i think that was a podcast guys it sure was yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) all righty well i guess we'll finish this up you have been watching and listening to micro machines podcast uh thank you so much for taking the time to be with us this week we will return next with Cal, are you going to do that T55 uh, slide? Yeah, I think I will. We'll do the All T55. Right, we'll do the T55s. Sounds good. Fuck well, yeah. Until then. See ya. See ya. See ya.